This is Roberto. You're back at Highlander Charter School with my steampunks from Highlander Charter School. Steampunks from Highlander Charter, please say what's up to the world. What's, what's up? up? What's up? Yes, that's uh, the kind of energy I'm talking about. And followed by the high. I like that you fit yourself <laughs> in. Don't, don't get left behind. Uh, today, today we have somebody who wears many hats. One of them is a cool Undertaker hat that I actually saw him wearing <laughs> this one time. Uh, we've got Bill Bartholomew. He is a local podcaster, broadcaster, and uh, star of Newport Folk Festival and folk musician himself who just has a new album out called Beige, right? Humbly, the information is correct, yeah. The information is not, correct, I will beige. never verify the uh, I didn't want to have athletes. it wrong. I want to make sure people can find your album, Beige, which I would never know how to spell if I didn't look it up myself. It's B-E-I-J. <laughs> yes. So you can find Bill Bartholomew and his album, Beige, where stuff is found, Spotify. Where else should people go? Wherever you're listening to this right now, chances are... You'll find the music there as well. Apple Music, probably. Apple Music, exactly. Thank you for chiming in with Apple Music. You're a chimer. You chime in a lot. <laughs> uh, and and I want to be all like, ah, oh, damn, I hate a chimer. But I'm looking over at your drawing, and the shadowing is fresh. You're an artist. Congratulations. My uh, friend drew this. I'm just the one coloring it in. This is uh, this is Billy from Highlander, if anybody's wondering who I'm talking about. All right, so uh, so from we're going from Billy to Bill. Uh, I am going to pass the questions over. I'm probably going to go this way, so have your questions ready uh, before we get there. But the first thing, the first thing, because I heard a lot of your questions, but the most basic reason I have them here is you guys are going in to interview your principal. Other Steambox podcasts interviewed Senator Tiara Mack, uh, movie directors. Last year, this school had uh, big Hollywood movie stars literally crying about their childhood on this podcast. There's some dope podcasts coming out of here, but this is a new group. This being a new group, I want to make sure that you're ready for our guests. So I'm going to ask Bill, as a podcaster, as a broadcaster, what makes a compelling podcast and what are some of your tricks that you might want to share with these students who want to run a podcast? Well, you use the right word, compelling, you know, because podcasts can be informational and they can be pure entertainment, which can be nonsense, but compelling. That's the big question. How do you tell a story or provide information or offer an opinion that keeps people listening? You know, we, there's a statistic that is in radio mostly, but it's also in podcasts called TSL, Time Spent Listening. And that's the number one thing that you want to achieve is people that say, not only do they, they try it out, but they listen and they kept listening and ideally all the way to the end of the podcast. So you want, it's, it's instinct. It's, it's really just following what interests you, what you think is important, what's an important conversation that needs to take place, what's some uh, thought that you have that is unique, especially if, it's a, if you're a single interviewer or doing a, a monologue podcast, people want to know your opinion. They want to know your perspective, unless you're doing like straight journalism reporting style. But what are people mostly looking for? They're, if they're not looking for straightforward reporting, they're looking for takes, hot takes from people. But I've seen you, but I've seen you do both, right? I talk about yeah. you have many hats. I've seen you do straight journalism, and I see, I watch as you, and this has got to be really hard, to know something is horrible or wrong, and you still take the fair take, and you're just gathering information, and you restrain yourself from actually jumping in with your opinion sometimes. Super hard to do, and it's like situational. You know, there are moments where it's like, okay, I'm obviously giving an opinion, I'm obviously providing analysis, and then there are moments where it's like, you know, whether it's the summer of 2020 protests where we were out there in the streets and I was 
in the thick of that live streaming and it's like, all right, there's two ways to go here. I can either just start offering my opinion or I can paint a picture of what's happening. And by not just ranting about things that, that everybody else was saying, it allowed the voices in the streets in those protests to be elevated and for me to just describe what they're doing. But then if I'm one-on-one -on -one in my studio, I might offer more of a take because there's no other voices to uplift. I'm saying, hey, I saw this, and this is what I, this is how I'm reacting to what I experienced. That's wild because it's your space, right? It's the, it's the uh, Bill Bartholomew, it's the Bartholomew... Uh, Bartholomew Town. Bartholomew yep. Town, sorry. Yeah, I had works. that ready, and then I lost it. Uh, I got hit in the head too many times playing football. Uh, <laughs> So, so it's your podcast, it's named after you, yep. and it's your space, but you're literally, by abstaining and not giving your opinion, you're giving space to the protesters or space to whoever the victim is or space to whoever gets their message out to have that story and narrative be told by them. Is that why you... That's right. And, and, and also for, for people, I'm always about, like, there's always going to be people that will never change their mind about things. They're going to be, whether they're racist, whether they're ignorant, whatever the case may be, there's just going to be people out there that are like that. You'll never win them. But there's also a lot of people that just don't know what's going on. They just don't understand why a certain issue is important. And if you can kind of let it be less of like you're talking at them and telling them what to think and instead just setting up, here's why, here's what's happening. Now, use your gut instinct to figure out why this, what is happening, what I'm telling you about, or what I'm showing you, if it's video, is important. And you'll be, I'm surprised by how many people say, you know what, yeah, maybe I'm a Republican, but you know what, like, what happened with George Floyd is outrageous and we need police reform. Okay. You know, and you'll see, that, and that's a bigger victory than everybody who already has the same opinion cheering each other on. You know, the both are important, but if you're going to build, uh, if you're going to win over new people, sometimes it's better to let it be more of a conversation, more objective, and let yeah. them understand, hey, maybe their background. You know, I grew up in the woods in Rhode Island. You know, um, I lived in Brooklyn for 10 years. My life growing up in the woods is a lot different than after being in Brooklyn for 10 years, you know, in terms of yeah. my perspective. Not everybody's lived in the city. And I think it's important to understand that people's experiences sometimes impact th their perspective on issues that to a lot of us seem really obvious, you know? Thank you. Uh, what's your question? I can't wait for this one because I remember your question from earlier. Oh, why did you, like, why did you start making music? Oh, man, great question. I remember having, um, like, there was a piano I grew up around, like, in my house. My parents' house was out of tune and stuff. And I took piano lessons and didn't really care about it. But I would always write little melodies and start to write little songs. And I had this little tape recorder that had like a miniature tape and I would just sing into it. And this is like when I was like in like fifth or sixth grade. And I put out a cassette tape in like sixth grade that I gave to my cousin as a birthday present, which was mostly me just like singing over karaoke tracks with my own lyrics and stuff. So I'm a musician, you know, I play guitar, drums, bass, keyboards and all that, but I really consider myself a, sing a songwriter, you know, and producing Writing songs is really mysterious, and I've been, it's something I've chased since, I think, like sixth grade, where you pull it from, you go from zero, you know, it doesn't matter what genre, it could be folk, it can be hip-hop, it can be any genre, and you're, you're literally going from nothing to having a song, and chasing that experience, which can't really be explained by science or the humanities or anything else, is so fascinating to me, so that's what drives me to, to keep creating. 
I got my my girlfriend dragged me out to a folk uh, concert at Crescent Park in Riverside. Yep. Where uh, I ran into you, uh, and you and I have got experience together beforehand. Yep. Uh, but that she, I had to be dragged because yeah. uh, folk was something I didn't even know what it was because of my community and because of my culture. Uh, and she's very familiar, she, and she's seen you play at Newport Folk Fest uh, a few times. Uh, and other things. So she's your demographic. We're your demographic when it comes to uh, a lot, uh, when it comes to your podcast, when it comes to your journalism. Yep. But I think as we talked about it, I think a lot of us don't even know what folk music is. Uh, and why is it Why is it compelling? And what even is folk music? Right. Am I the only one? Am I? No, I agree. I mean, we no, talked about it. I wasn't sure what it was. Yep. Well, it's interesting. I think folk music is anything that is comes from an organic place, you know. But then there's also the genre of folk music, which is like a very specific thing. Usually people think of it as like someone with an acoustic guitar singing a song, you know, that is not amplified or electric. But, you know, what's interesting, you mentioned Newport Folk Festival. They're having way more hip-hop bands, rock bands. So to me, folk music is any music that is speaking from the perspective of the people. You know, that's, that's, not, um, that's not corporate that's not manufactured to like just get streams. You know, it's sending, it's about a message and it's usually tied to either po politics or the human experience. And so that's really what I write about for the most part. And it's very, you know, when I'm in Brooklyn, when I was there, I played most of my shows or at least half of my shows with hip hop artists. You know, the bill is split and there's a real overlap there of like, all right, folk person with an acoustic guitar, hip hop artist and even like experimental people with like some little keyboard making, you know, kind of noisy type of stuff. It all is expressive and it's it's about capturing a message that you can feel and you can think about and walk away with. So that's my definition. Okay. Thank you very much. Um the question I have for you, I have two, but I'm going to start with one. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite childhood meal? Childhood meal? meal? Yeah. Wow. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. And that's because I became a vegetarian super early on. I became a vegetarian when I was in seventh grade. I was up against a huge amount of resistance from my family, from people around me. You know, I was frequently bullied about it and so on and so forth. So eating just plain spaghetti was like the easiest thing because it was way before like people, there were a lot of vegetarian vegan options. So um, so for me, that would be my favorite childhood meal. I we got a, never. we got a lot of people. That, <laughs> you could never. I'm an. Ins I love anything meat, especially. Oh, you could never be a vegetarian. Never. Oh. Got Interesting. It. Got it. Go ahead. My mom's actually a vegetarian. So Interesting. I don't eat a lot of meat, but mm -hmm. we do eat meat sometimes. Do you look forward to meat? Uh, it's not that I look forward to it. It's just like it's good yep. when it's in there. The only real meat that I look forward to is bacon and mm. sometimes like sausage. Not breakfast sausage. Yeah. Just like the sausages that you can have like for dinner and stuff. Billy, I gotta introduce you to Millionaire Bacon in San Francisco. It's the most <laughs> delicious. It has cayenne pepper. It's ridiculous. Sounds uh, amazing. We'll do a whole podcast on yeah. Millionaire Bacon later. Go ahead. Right. So I've always wondered this. I'm curious, what made you want to become a vegetarian? Uh, it's it's hard to explain. Especially, um, you mentioned that like an early age, yeah, right? Because I could see age. as an adult, but yeah. but as a child, is it was it childhood? I I grew up in the woods, you know, like I said, not like completely like in some mountain, like where I was eating, you know, acorns or something like that. But like, <laughs> you know, like I grew up in the woods a lot, around a lot of farm animals and around a lot of woodland animals. 
And my sister and I both, she's younger than me, we both just stopped eating meat. We would take the meat and like not eat it at dinner. And all of a sudden it just, I started to learn about vegetarianism a little bit just through conversations. And I was like, I'm just gonna keep this path going. And it really wasn't until I got to high school that I had completely eliminated meat, but I had basically set forth to be a vegetarian. Now I'm vegan, which is even more hard. Um, but the truth is that it's not really for political reasons. You know, I don't think that a lot of people are like, well, if you don't eat meat, you're helping with climate change or something like that. And there's some truth to that. It's just a personal preference, kind of like um, how I'm wearing plaid pants today. You know, it's like right. just, that was just a personal preference and I've stuck with it. But um, it took a long time before my family was accepting of it. You know, I'd be at like Christmas or something like that. People would be like, oh, you got to eat meat. You look pale, you know. You were you know, bullied for bull not eating frequently meat. Frequently bullied, frequently bullied for years. Are you are it. you now repulsed by meat, or no, do you no, just no. avoid it? Yeah, my, my people around. I just I just don't just don't choose it. But I'm not a, I'm not opposed to meat. I'm not like somebody who's going to shame somebody if they eat meat. I I couldn't care less what you eat. Uh, three more very quick follow ups before I move on to the next question. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Telgen. Go ahead. Uh, you don't miss meat. Like not if, even a little bit. Like if what if it didn't come from an animal? Like if it was like meat, but like I don't, I, I don't like that stuff at all. Like the Beyond Meat, all yeah. the fake meats and stuff. Like I can't eat that. What if it was that. real meat? Like Impossible Burger. I don't know how to put it. Like, like if it was meat. generated without killing. Like it yeah. tastes like meat. Like it tastes not. exactly like meat. Everything's yeah. the same except it just didn't come from an animal. I, I don't miss it at, even a little bit at this point. You know, it's it's really shocking. I mean, but it's been twenty years since I've had meat. Other than accidental inclusion and like somebody makes something and they go, oh, I didn't know you were a vegetarian. There's bacon in there, you know. But I'm also not gonna like spit it out. I'll just yeah. like be like, all right, I'm not gonna finish it. I if I couldn't have cheeseburgers, like this week, just yeah. once in a week, <laughs> I would I would die. Um. So you said you were bullied a lot growing yeah. up. Yeah. Did that ever at least nearly discourage you from continuing that path? No, no, no. Never discouraged me from continuing that path. If anything, it strengthened it because I've always kind of just tried to be. A little bit different in one way or another, so I, I saw it. I almost took it as a compliment, although it was hard to have like some aunt like it. You know, it's, yeah. I always go back to Christmas because I feel like that was like the perfect example. That's like, when we all get bullied. By you totally, yeah. exactly. You're already under it's the, the time when our families pass judgment upon all of us. It's very super smart well comment. Said. Yeah. yeah, super smart comment. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, have you ever had any problems or altercations with somebody who listens to your music? Someone who listens to my music. Um, well, I had a, I was signed to a manager in New York that we ended up breaking up, um, and then I had another manager that crashed his car into the venue when he was angry. So I've had two crazy managers, and uh, ever since then I've basically handled all my music myself. Not in music, you know. It's it's uh, within bands. I've been in bands, and there's a lot of conflict in bands. You know, sometimes when I was doing it full time, you're traveling around the country with three or four people for six months straight. And, you know, you get on each other's nerves and sometimes, in fact, every time those bands break up. But, um, you know, that's that. Um, man, I, I used to promote hip-hop shows in Providence sure. uh, and, and produce music and stuff. Uh, that was, it was a really tough scene. There's a lot of conflicts. Uh, sometimes just dealing with talent. 
there are uh, there are R and B stars and stuff like that who I had actual fights with, and then sometimes just producing music and having disagreements, uh, you know, about about stuff. Somebody had a li- somebody had lyrics about you know Prego the food. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was like, uh, now I'm in there like Prego, and I was like, this is the stupidest lyric I've <laughs> ever heard in my life. <laughs> And we just stopped for hours arguing back and forth. And this is valuable time, right? Uh, that stuff can be tough. I wanted to shift that question away. And then I see Billy has something to add. And I see you have something to add. I wanted to shift back uh, towards, we're talking about, um, your question was about music. But how about over politics, right? Because there's some crazies around here. Uh, there's some crazies who I know listen to. I, I participated in a show with you at one point. I was yep. just kind of like some outside mocking kind of yeah. thing. Um, but there were some crazies who actively listened all the time. I forget one of the guy's names. He was running for some office. Uh, definitely a crazy. And, I'm, and I would say his name on it if I remembered. I'm not like... Um, but have you run into stuff like that? Have any of those crazies had anything to say to you? All the time. That's the hardest part is just like learning to not get bogged down by them and stay safe and not get drawn into conflict. You know what I mean? That's, that's the biggest challenge with the crazies. Tiara Mack this week on our podcast was talking about the death threats that she got just sure. because she was twerking on the beach. Because she's twerking on the beach, the death threats she's getting. So I would imagine having a political opinion. Yeah, it, it's you set yourself up for a lot of people to not like what you have to say. If you're likable as a person and you present yourself that way, it's a lot easier to communicate to people with an opposing viewpoint. But uh, that doesn't mean that uh, everybody loves me. What about opposing uh, broadcasters? Because we've got uh, we've, <laughs> we've got scumbags here, and I'm not just because if if you're reporting from one political aisle and then somebody else is on the other political aisle, I don't say that they're all. I don't think that they're all scumbags. Sure. But we have like the Petro's a scumbag, right? Like, there's there's people who you know you have that conflict with. Sometimes it's more enhanced for the entertainment of like a back and forth with somebody, and then there's some people that are just like really. Uh, just out to get you. They're trying to. You're, they're waiting for you to make a mistake so that they can pounce on you. And you just have to be alert about that. Billy, what do you want to add? Uh, about the band. I am actually in a band too. No way. Awesome. Yeah, what we, do you play? I'm the drummer. Yes. But for our second song, which we haven't even finished yet, uh, uh, I am a singer. Nice. That's amazing. We'll keep stick with it, and. It's great. It's a great thing to do, you know. Do you guys get into fights? Do you have creative differences? Uh, no, not really. Not we're yet. Like, <laughs> no, we're all like pretty close, and yeah. we all like make jokes all the time. Make sure that we're not like just working so much that we don't get any breaks or anything. Right. Sure. Like we so, make sure we're good. Go ahead. Uh, you said you stopped working. You started working independently. Independently. Yep. So I'm assuming that's harder. Has it been worth the difficulty? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you'll never have the same, you know, building a team is really important. And it's something, you know, you want to have the right people, though. Just to have a manager or a lot of people end up on a label that's not good for them, you're better controlling yourself until you have the right team. Not just, you know, I have somebody that will do my social media for me. Well, great, but are they the right person for that? And if you don't have that right person, you're better off controlling it yourself. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Go ahead. It does. Uh, what did I say? I don't know. This is compelling <laughs> podcasting, right? <laughs> Go ahead. Take over. Yeah. Uh, so I don't make music per se, but I was thinking about it pretty strongly, and I was wondering how you go about like 
Because you said you used to record on oh, tape yeah, recorders. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you don't do that anymore. So how do you go no. about recording? Well, I have Pro Tools, which is a program that I use for my podcast and for music production. Um, but when I'm writing songs, you're looking at it right here. Just an iPhone on the table. And that's, you know, when I release something, I do it either in a studio or on my own home studio um, on my computer. And I've, I've taught myself that software, Pro Tools. There's also Logic. There's others that are recording software. Um, and it's a good thing if you're a musician or a performer of any kind or a podcaster, I would recommend learning those, those softwares because you do get a huge advantage. And there's free tutorials on YouTube to do it. Have you used any of these programs yet? Uh, I know you're a spy. I know it's something that you want to do, but I don't know how much you've done and how much have you used. Uh, I haven't done anything really past messing with loops and whatnot. Yep. And, you know, messing around with that. But for, like, individual programs for, like, mixing, editing, and all of that, and, like, recording, I haven't really messed with that. Are you, um, anybody here a gamer? Play video games? I'd say so. Uh, yeah, I'd say half of our room right now, a little more than half of our room. It, most of us are gamers in here. Uh, when we had Samus on the podcast, she's, like, uh... She's a, she's a, Samus is a Nintendo character from Metroid. Yeah. Uh, you had a fictional character? No, we had a rapper, <laughs> we had a rapper who's nerdcore rapper, and so nerdcore that she oh. named herself after the Metroid character. Uh, she's a pretty famous rapper, she's got some really dope videos. Now she's coincidentally a professor at Brown, uh, but when we had her on the podcast, one of the things that was interesting, because I'm a gamer, and she was a gamer, obviously, naming herself Samus, we got started on this video game called MTV Music Generator. Which was really like if you took Pro Tools and you put it on PlayStation and you made it so that you can just use your little PlayStation controller to start changing the loops like you were talking about. Uh, repeating loops, adding different sounds. That's how she got started and she actually built a whole career out of it. So there's little itty bitty stuff like we're talking about the podcast. All of you can do it out of your pocket. There's little tiny things that everybody can access you don't need a mac you don't need this expensive software but when you do pro tools is the way to go definitely mm. do you remember your question or go ahead what encouraged you to like publish your music um probably my ego you know that's why people artists put stuff out there you know that you want to you want to get feedback from people you made a song and you were like the world needs to hear the world this. needs to hear this exactly yeah. um they need to witness my genius. Totally. That's, I mean, that's what drives art and creativity is the, the thought of, hey, I have something to say. Let me tell people. I think it's really that simple. Do you guys ever, do you guys ever look back at something that you wrote a few years ago when you were in middle school and you're yeah. like, ew, and you cringe? <laughs> you cringe? You go, yeah. ew. Uh, I imagine that musicians do that all the time. Do you cringe at some of your old stuff? Yeah, and you end up taking it off Spotify and re-recording <laughs> it or keep working. But that's the beauty of it. You just keep moving forward. Everything's building blocks. And if you look at it from that standpoint, like, you know, you lay the foundation two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, you better be in a better place than you were before. Uh, I feel like that happens to me a lot. So whenever I do something, I feel like it's not finished. There's always something yeah. I want to tweak, something I want to finish. It's never it's finished. It's never done. It's never finished. Uh, what's your question? Um, my question is... What were some difficulties that you had while growing up into music and podcasting and all this? Challenges. What were your big Ooh, challenges? Making money. You know, it's hard. You have to work really hard. You usually work a bunch of side hustles. Um, doubt. People saying, oh, you should go be a lawyer. You should do something else because you're never going to make money off this. And uh, just believing that you have something to say. You know, that sometimes can you can self-doubt. Did you, like, have, like... Did you like lose anybody that was close to you because how they felt about your music of what you were doing? Uh, not really. 
luckily I haven't. I mean, I think, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, you make life choices that if you had gone a different direction, maybe certain relationships would have worked out, but that's, you know, it's hard to say that. Well, you were in a, you were in a band before. Yeah. And now you're solo. Now I'm solo. The band's on hiatus. It's hard. You know, the band is a very difficult dynamic. You've got people all who have a creative vision and you're trying to marry that into one thing and um, it can be very difficult. All right, uh, go ahead. So um, my question was, when did you, when was the turning point between making music and podcasting? Sure, well, uh, when Trump won, you know, and I was listening to a lot of conservative talk radio because I'd moved back to Rhode Island and I was like, wow, the right wing has a lot of uh, talk radio happening and talkers talking about things all day. Um, we need somebody who is from the left who can appeal to a wider audience. Uh, and I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I just started doing it. 2018, I started my podcast, just kept doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Next thing you know, a few years later, it was a, it was a, a thing that was, was real, so to speak. Well, now uh, we have this in common. You're, you are now sponsored by PBS. Yeah, I work with PBS. I work with a radio station, WPRO. I have URI as a sponsor. I have a bunch of, of sponsors that each month I get revenue from yep. to do what I do. And then I have, you know, with PBS, for example, I do long, I do TV stuff with them. And so it's, it's all uh, an ecosystem that I've been able to create around the project to allow it to make enough money where I can live. We asked you earlier about... Um about how hard it might be to abstain from interjecting your opinion when you're just yeah. putting out the news. About an hour ago, you posted the news that this police officer who punched a woman, we all saw it, everybody in this room, or most of us in this room who were here on time, uh, saw this video of this police officer. We saw him punch the woman. Uh, and so he had a trial and he was found not guilty. Yeah. Uh, and so you report it and you put that out yeah. to the world. And that's without opinion. That's just to say, here's what happened. That's right. But then the comment section yeah. likes to fill up, and lots of people are like, well, now he should have his job back was the first thing that I saw. Yeah. Because he's found not guilty. When we all saw him punch this woman. Yeah, and I shot that video. That video went- Did you? Yeah, I got like five million views on Twitter. It went international. It was on New York Times, NBC Nightly News. So I'm at the center of this storm. I shot the video that caused this guy to lose his job and drop out of his political race. Now he's not guilty. So there's a question that becomes, you know, I spoke with my lawyer earlier. Okay, now is he going to sue me for publishing the video? And we see with the Alex Jones case, I mean, this guy, the InfoWars guy, yep. terrible person uh, lying about Sandy Hook, but it proves that the media can be held accountable for things that they post if it ends up being not true. Now, of course, the video I posted just shows, like you said, he punches her in the face. There's no question. It's the nuance of the legal system that somehow they said, well, because he's a police officer, even though he was off duty, he gets a free pass. And, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing, in my opinion. Does this make anybody angry? Yes. Very much. Shows yeah. how corrupt the U.S. is. And yeah. towards women as well. Yeah. Towards like women. the Like, no. that. that is just yeah, all this crazy. Yay, sexism. Go to hell. If you're a police officer, and I, but I wonder, right? Like, it, there's definitely sexism. Yes. I agree with you 100%. But I also so think much. that as a police officer, as a white person, if he punched somebody else who's less than, right? Let's say a brown person or a black person just considered in public eye as less than this just, white superior race. Yeah, it's just the it, violence. No consequences. It's just the violence between white people and women or men or, like, 
a different race it's just found very different diff- sexualities yes yes different yes. i different i identities like yeah identities. different identities yeah marginalized and, identities yes yeah and i just feel like it's rude because like you're just going out punching a woman like what why different like, religions as well different religions like just your identity in yeah. general like what you are and what you want to be being a different it, person than them yes, yes. not what being an exact be. clone what you want to be just like they take it so far and it's just like what are you doing like you you take your time out of your day to go punch a woman in the face actually and you take your time to go and like george floyd kill a man because of such and such but like why george floyd didn't kill we, i understand yeah. what you're saying yeah, but just but like, for our audience at home why why do you do it like why that's just the overall question like why do you think like it's right for sexism your identity just in general like why if the police are here to protect and serve us who's yes. here to protect and serve us from the police what's your question i would think this is like i mean there is some sexism but i don't think it's just about that i feel like it's about race because at times I've seen like videos of women, like they kill people and get charged with lesser years. But if a man does the same thing, and gets charged with like eighty to life. So I'm I don't not. Think, sh- I don't think it's just about that. I think it's about like wealth, I race. Yeah. I I think all of those things are important. Uh, your your stat, I think, is something that in a future podcast we should take a look at. And maybe bring in an expert so that we can dive deeper into that. Because I wasn't sure about your stat, but I but I completely agree with you about marginalized people facing tougher consequences where a white police officer faces no consequences. Uh, very quickly, very quickly, because I want to move on to, did I even get to your question yet? But before I get to his question, um, what was what was the protest there? What was that woman protesting? Abortion. It was an abortion. It was right after the uh, Roe v. Wade decision, Dobbs decision. And so people were out saying, hey, look. We're fighting for women's health care. And it devolved into a brawl between a bunch of people. And he ran in and, and punched Jen Rourke in the face. And hey, I want to I want to uh, I want to protect you legally and all that sure. stuff. So uh, feel free to feel free to dodge if you want to dodge. Yep. Uh, was he in any physical danger? Was he defending himself from Jen Rourke in things that were not seen on video? Well, they make that argument. That's and, and I guess the judge bought it. Um, you know, you, you can judge for yourself, you know, a guy who's an off duty police officer versus a, 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 a woman. You know, not because she was a woman, but smaller in stature, smaller, smaller in stature. Now, you can make an argument as well that you've got thousands of people protesting the, the Supreme Court decision and only a few people who are opposed to that. Um, so the risk of being outnumbered, being surrounded, you know, there was violence that took place prior to that assault. Uh, somehow his lawyer created a compelling enough argument that the, the judge at this trial and the bench trial it wasn't a jury trial said, not guilty. We don't have evidence to 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 find him guilty. And you know what? The legal system is imperfect. Um, some people would argue this is vindication for him. He was trying to break up a fight. He was trying to do the right thing. I know that uh, I, I spoke with BLM earlier, and they're they're planning a protest. So it's just one of those classic examples of. You're all correct. Everybody in this room is correct to be outraged by that. Yeah. Um, man, I have so many questions uh, that I'd love to do a whole another podcast on BLM specifically and Gary because Gary's such an interesting figure. Maybe we need to bring Gary in. What's your question for Bill? Um, it's a very small question, just for context. What's Good. I'm running a little short on time, so I'm going to yeah. go a little. <laughs> no, wait, I, I don't want to rob you guys. Go ahead. Tight. Huh? I'll I, keep the answer no, no, super ahead. tight. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask the difference between a bench uh, trial and a jury trial. Bench trial, the judge tries it. Jury trial, there's a jury. So in a bench trial, you can opt to say, rather than a jury of your peers, the judge will sing- be singularly deciding the outcome. Um, oh. And that's what happened here. All right. 
What's your question for Bill? <clears throat> like, I think you already answered this question, but why interview people about like politics and stuff? Like, why not other things? Oh, I do other things too. I do art, innovation, music. Um, you know, sports sometimes. You know, but politics drives the narrative. It's the main thing that sets me apart. I think from other people. And politics has become so divisive, so boring to a lot of people, and it used to be integral to music. You know, the music that I grew up listening to, the punk music, the alternative music, the hip-hop music, the, the folk music, the, it was around politics. It was like, it, politics was cool. Like, the elections in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, like, that was a part of the, the of culture. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of gotten away from culture, and it's more into, like, this boring, like... This team versus that team, it's a, there's a lot of hate, and I think that there's room for it to be more cool again, and that's what I try to do. Uh, quickly, what was your best and worst interview? Do you have any that mm. like you look back on and you're like, oh, that was a terrible interview, and you you feel responsible versus uh, an interview that went really well? Best interview, tough to say. Um, I've done now like 560 episodes. I would say... The best interview was with this reporter, Jim Terracani. Uh, was a great Rhode Island reporter, and he had a, a videotape of the former mayor of Providence, ex uh, his, his associate, accepting a bribe, and he refused to say who he got that videotape from. So the judge said, if you don't tell me, we're gonna you're going to jail. And he said, I'm not telling you. He, he refused to disclose the source. He protected his source to the point where he went to jail based on the protection of someone's leaking to the media, here's a tape of the mayor of Providence accepting a bribe. So that interview was really powerful. Um, worst interview, you know, there's been very few that have been a disaster. It's really, there's, there's people who come on sometimes and they like have an interview, uh, like a business or it tends to be business, like healthcare, stuff like that. And they come on and it's like, do you realize that nobody is going to listen to this if you're not interesting? Like this is not a chance. This is not a chance to talk like this and be like, "Here's, you know, we have great yeah. sales." And so anytime you have someone come on that doesn't have energy and an explanation, and the great podcasts are really good at vetting their guests, and that's something I've learned at PBS is like, get on the phone with a guy yeah. or the girl or the person. Do they sound like they're going to be fun to talk to and for people to listen to? And if they're not. Maybe you pass on that episode. So that's something that I've learned. Uh, unfortunately, some people are just not very good. Uh, at the end of the day, it is entertainment. You know, you're 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 listening to a podcast for something to, to entertain you. Commissioner of Education in Rhode Island yeah. gave us her first uh, interview when everybody was dying to learn her plan. Yeah. Uh, and that was a really great interview. And she was way more open with us than she was on NBC Ten this week. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, with the students, she she gave a lot. It, she surprised me uh, to to a great degree. Uh, but we also had uh, an action star from a, a movie, a black kung fu hero, yep. on the podcast. And uh, his movie was like uh, one of the top movies in culture, right? Like it's just yep. a huge movie. And he was so boring. He was just <laughs> such a bore. We didn't yeah. vet him and maybe we should have. What's your question for Bill? Um, if you as a kid were to look at what you're doing now, do you think you would be surprised? I think I'd be like, way to stay on track because I've cared about this stuff since I can remember. The politics, the local media, the news, opinion, music, all of these things that I do now are exactly where I wanted to be back when I was in like middle school. I got so, that I got that from this podcast. 
from the, from this podcast, I understood that about you, and probably yeah. the uh, abstaining from meat as well. Yeah, right? totally right. That's and maybe they're tied together. Maybe they're not. I don't really talk about vegetarian or, or vegan stuff too much on the podcast, but because um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not really an advocate for it. Like well, I'm, Scott Pilgrim, they say you get superpowers from uh, being a vegan. Totally. And that may be true if you take the right supplements, but there's also a danger to it. You don't get iron, you know, right. you, you're, you're missing a lot. So you really have to be careful. Um, I'm not in the best shape, you know. Uh, I had COVID like two and a half months ago. I'm still recovering. You know, I'm still like winded and like have the mm -hmm. long COVID stuff. And, um, and some people have said, well, maybe if you were eating meat, you know, you're, you would have reacted differently. Other people have said, you're lucky you don't eat meat because you didn't get it as bad as you would have if you had, uh, if you're eating a lot of red meat. So it's all opinion in that sense. Billy, last question, go. Uh, are drums ever used in uh, folk music? All the time. I drums are my first instrument. I play drums in a couple of bands in Rhode Island. I drum on my own records now, and yeah, drums. I have a backing band that plays with me on bigger shows that are like larger venues and things like that. And I've just started to use, I make beats. So I have a beat maker and like a, a just started to use like electronic drums in my music as well. So, um, so I, I yes. Uh, what kind of drums do you use the most? Like drum sets, like bongos, the beat Dr pads? Drum set and I do, um, I love percussion. So I'll take like a cymbal and I'll, I'll, I'll just make noise with the cymbal. But you know, I play I play a full drum set mostly. Yep. I have two students who want to do a feature on one of your upcoming songs. So oh, cool! Keep, awesome. Keep, keep that in mind. We're gonna hold you to it. We're gonna put you on. I uh, love that. Everybody, if you don't mind, hang out for just a second. Uh, I'd love to get a group shot of us because I actually don't have any photos of this particular group. We're so new. Uh, but Bill, uh, before I let you off the hot seat, where can people find out more about you? We talked about your record earlier, Beige. Yep. Where can people find out more about you, your work, uh, Bartholomew Town? Yep. Where can people find all this stuff? And who do you want to give a shout out to? So well, I want to give a shout out to you because I've been a huge fan of yours since the, the, in COVID. We were on a, a show together that Pat Ford and Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz put together. Likewise. And I was like, who is this guy? And as I started to look into it, I was like, wow, this, this guy's for real. So I want to give a shout out to you because this is an incredible... Um, this is something that puts Rhode Island on the map globally. This, I appreciate this project, that. and it's it's the, it's the best podcast. Number two in the in world for three straight weeks. We it's want to get back to number one, but it's the best podcast in Rhode Island for sure. No question That's about dope. it. That's dope. From yeah. Bill Bartholomew himself. I'm going to use that sound. You should. No, you should because it's it really is. But um, people, you know, I'm on IG, TikTok, and Twitter. You know, I'm still on Facebook, which I barely use, but you know, it's there. And um, yeah, Bartholomew Town, the Bartholomew Town podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen, and also my music is just under Bill Bartholomew, and you can find both of those profiles on Spotify or Apple or whatever, whatever you prefer, Amazon, all that stuff. Any last message for us or the world before uh, you're off the hot seat? Well, the, you know, what the world needs to do more is communicate. Communication is, the, is definitely, amongst science and other major important things that are going to happen in our next 10 to 15 years, communication is vital. And... Platforms like this are, and the work that you guys are, are doing here is integral to where we need to go as a society because if we're not able to communicate, we're not going to get anything done. And a lot of the challenges that we have right now can be resolved through thoughtful communication. And um, so keep up the great work, you know. I agree. I agree. That made me want to go on a whole Kyrie or Kanye uh, West rant. And, and, and how are those guys still playing basketball? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and, and making and music. Making music. Yeah, right. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Bill Bartholomew, you are off the hot seat, but steampunks from Highlander, please say peace out to the world. Peace, peace out! out. Uh.